Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about what the Fed has said this week about rates and that what is happening with housing will not impact what they do with rates. Before we dive in, I want to thank our podcast sponsor, True, for making this very interesting episode possible. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. It is the uh, what I call the Fed hasn't pivoted day after the uh, we had a few Fed uh, presidents speak and the minutes just came out uh, just a few minutes ago. So uh, for me personally, it looks about right if you're not a Fed pivot person. For the rest of us, um, I don't think those uh, comments were very encouraging because um, actually it's exactly what you said. Listen to Bowman. She's a Fed governor. Listen to Bowman and what, what she says. Be- and what did she say? She said that rate policy, the housing market does not go into any of our rate policies, which, again, w- what we talked about last year, uh, uh, they have a COVID-19 housing policy. Housing has been in a recession in terms of the existing home sales market now for this is the year, year three. And I think that people are just people believe that the Fed will see this and say, well, okay, well, we need rates just a little bit lower. And that's kind of not how they operated. In fact, uh, the wonderful Neil Kashkari said that the how you know the interest rate sensitive sectors of our economy are holding up pretty well purchase application data today is back to where sarah 1995 levels and that means gangster paradise is out again don't go chasing waterfalls is out again all those songs that were number 1 back in 1995 were here and i think it's it's hard for people to just like wrap their minds around that that here is a sector that's already crashed in sales is now in year three, right? This isn't like a one-year crash and then all of a sudden sales are starting moving back up. Um, The forward-looking indicators are going negative again. And I'm trying to convince people they don't care, right? Uh, This is why I say it's a COVID-19 policy. And there's a reason for that, that I believe um, why the Fed doesn't uh, uh, want housing to come back. Okay, so let's dive into that. Why does the why does the Fed not want housing to come back? Okay, so when we think about entrenched inflation, we think about the Fed always talking about the 1970s, right? And in the 1970s, what people don't remember is that housing was booming. And we don't have an oil shock this time around. So oil has to go to $450 to match the adjusted to inflation uh, uh levels that we had back in the 70s. And and just remember, as if the cost of food and energy goes up, your wages have to compensate. Well, here, guess what sector that they can manage is housing. And I've always said this, and, and when I say this, I don't say this to me to be funny, but people having sex, having babies, buying homes is a problem for them. And this is why I, I always hearken back to last year in February when President Neil Kashkari came out and said 6%, 6%, not, not 3%, 4%, or 5%, 6% mortgage rates are a problem for the Federal Reserve. 
because if you're having sex and you're having kids and you're buying homes, you're buying more stuff. And that is in itself inflationary. So the Fed minutes just came out and they were talking about, well, we're worried. You know, you, you know, there, there might be a reacceleration of inflation because of financial conditions eased. Financial conditions are not eased, right? Uh, there's nowhere close to even going back to the mortgage rate level that we had in the previous uh, a decade where we basically range from three and a quarter to 5%. But they are focused on one thing, and that's jobless claims. And this is why I've always, I pound the fist since the end of, or toward the end of 2022, that the Fed's not going to pivot until jobless claims break. The bond market, though, back then, uh, the markets anticipated a recession, and that's the only reason why the 10-year yield fell, uh, where mortgage rates got to 6%, and the Fed started to panic, right? So I'm trying to connect all the dots to people because everyone has a life and no one's a loser like me, but I remember everything. So it makes sense. Back then, financial conditions were really easing. And then Q, Kashkari comes on TV and says 6% mortgage rates are a problem. So, Logan, here's here's something I don't understand. They said, you know, we're not basing any of our rate decisions on housing. And yet in the fall, when we saw that the 10-year yield got to almost 5%, and then that that pushed mortgage rates to 8%, they definitely cared then. I mean, that definitely spurred some action from them. So where's the disconnect here? Well, I think one of the things I've, tr- I've tried to stress recently is that the Fed's own model on this broke on them uh, because the growth rate of inflation fell faster than they thought. But also, this is happening with, I mean, for a lot of people, um, one of the reasons why I pick on Larry Summers a lot is that Larry Summers said that we needed uh, the unemployment rate to be at 6% for five years, 75 for two years, or 10% for one year for the growth rate of inflation to fall. There's no way you could bring the growth rate of inflation. There are some Fed members who actually run with uh, having the labor market break first before you start to, to see uh, uh, inflation really uh, slow down. All that failed. I mean, the labor market was fine. We grew above trend. It wasn't like we grew at trend or below trend. We grew above trend and the stock market rebound. So when the 10-year yield got up there, you know, they're thinking, wait a second, our policy is now really restrictive. Because when we think about real yields, in the Fed's mind, with the growth rate of inflation where it is today, with core PC or PC inflation running at one handles for three to six months, even today, Harkin of the Fed talked about, well, we're, we're just looking at monthly data now. We're not looking at a 12-month data. Well, they are very restrictive. So some of the criticism about... Uh, purposely putting uh, the U.S. into a recession to defeat inflation, it blew up on them. So they kind of like, you got to remember, that happened because the Fed went hawkish in the second half of 2023, and the 10-year yield was at a very key technical point. People were short the bond market. So it kind of blew up in their face. So there's there's a reality in a sense that, well, damn it, the growth rate of inflation fell faster with all of the stuff that we thought you know, couldn't happen. And they can't, they can't, they can't overdo it in that sense. But what they can do is, and this is why, you know, when I talk about 10 year yield channels and levels in the bond market and mortgage rates, what do I always say? We're not getting below 3.37, right? The labor market needs to break. But that 380 level, right? We had that big move from 5% to 380. That 380 level, we stopped, right? Technically, that looks like a place you're going to stop anyway. 
But here, boy, if the Fed hasn't pivoted yet and the labor market isn't getting weaker on the sense of jobless claims, can we get even that 380 to 3.37 test? And again, Fed hasn't pivoted, jobless claims are low. Back in 2022, everyone thought it was a recession. We talked about that October 27th, the case for lower mortgage rates. Well, what happened back then? The Fed's main indicator flagged a recession. The dollar was too strong. There was world market stress. Bond Money went to the bond market, drove the 10-year yield. Then we had the banking crisis. All those things were happening. And then it stopped. Jobless claims stopped going up. Jobless claims started going down. We're, we're up here. So here, you have to realize that... <clears throat> The Fed, the last thing the Fed wants, because of their age, some of them are old, some of them are done. I mean, Powell's done when, when, he's, when his time is up. He's not, he's not going to be Fed chairman anymore. The legacy matters. And, you know, the, the last thing they want is, you know, uh, boy, we, you know, we, we were very restrictive, but we, we weren't restrictive enough. So when jobless claims starts to break, then they're like, okay, our dual mandate is covered. We, we can pivot, right? So, so even though they're talking about rate cuts, the only reason they're talking about rate cuts right now is because the growth rate of inflation fell faster for them. So instead of trying to get ahead of the curve, like I always said that, you know, I would just say, is there a problem with the United States of America if the 10-year yield was just between 3.37 and 3.80%? And I would ask them because as of last year, this was a problem for you. 6% mortgage rates, sex, home buying, buying things. That's a problem for you. Are we, are we still having that problem if we have one handles on your monthly inflation data, you see, that's how that see, I, I wish a reporter would ask them that because I'm taking all the fed models going back decades. I would love to see their answer on that one because it's not like we're running at, you know, seven, eight, 9% inflation anymore, right? We're, we have two handles on 12 months. We have one handles on three and six. So they have to talk about cutting rates you know, a few times, but, you know, the market had anticipated five to six rate cuts. So I said, you know, whatever the market price, unless jobless claims are breaking, take the under always, because this clearly, I hope by now everyone's realized this is not a Fed that's pivoted. Only because of their own models, they don't want to be too restrictive. Are they talking about rate cuts? There's no way they could be talking about rate hikes. And then this goes into the second thing. Does Wall Street want a recession? Well, Answer that question. Does Wall Street want a recession? So here's here's the interesting thing on I noticed on uh, Twitter. So we, we so we talked about you know you can you be a higher bond yield rate hike person and a recession at the same time. And we we talked about this. No, but what you can be is there's a lot of Wall Street traders that are that are just absolutely furious. They cannot. They were so in on the recession in 2022 and 2023. They made all these funny YouTube videos about it and they all talked on Twitter and everything and it just blew up in their face again. Why? Because I, 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 I've said this. If you look at the last 14 years, Wall Street has been trash. They've talked about recessions all the time. They missed the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded in history. They went into depression mode during COVID and then now because the Fed hike rates, the stock market couldn't go up. There's, we're definitely going into recession, but they don't have the experience or the trading and housing. However, what I, what I said that if you're clever, if you wanted a recession, you say, the economy's booming. Look, the housing market. So one of the well-known stock traders, Jim Bianco, had this whole thing about, I don't know why people are complaining about mortgage rates being high. The housing market isn't showing stress, right? It's just uh, uh, realtors and mortgage uh, brokers that are, that are suffering. Well, 
what is he talking about? These people want higher rates to break housing. So if you look at what happened with 5% uh, 10-year yields and 8% mortgage rates, even the new home sales sector couldn't handle that, right? I remember going on CNBC in September and saying, listen, yields are going to break here. And it's just, we're going to see it in the data lines. It's going to take a few months, but new home sales, which were growing actually, you know, toward the end of the year were, were start to fall down again. And then the 10 year yield uh, came lower and the builders, you know, of course could offer lower rates, but there's your model right there to break the United States of America, to force people to lose their jobs, lose their homes for wall street to be happy about this. They need to push that the economy's booming. See, that's the clever thing. See, that's, that's, that shows me somebody who actually knows that you can't push a job loss recession and higher bond yields, right? It just doesn't work like that. So the people that want it are saying, hey, look, look, the economy's booming, 10-year yield can go up. And they're hoping that the Fed stays restrictive long enough. So when it happens, then they go, oh, these, these are the people that hate the Fed usually. Look, look what's going on. They, they stayed restrictive too long. This institution can't. So that at least is a clever way of masking what you want. You know, rates to go high enough, long enough, people lose their jobs, lose their homes. These are the things these men fantasize about, right? We always say the men want 1929, 1987, 2008. One group of people, guys, just one. But <laughs> at least that's that's a clever way of doing it. So in, in some ways, I, I retweeted his statement and go, yes, if you actually look at the housing credit stress data, uh, uh, it's not there. It's nothing like we saw in 2005, 6, 7, or 8. The builders are are... are buying down rates, but the existing home sales market is in the third, third calendar year of great recession lows. I would argue the lowest demand in housing or, or in terms of sales ever. Uh, um, and uh, that's that didn't break the economy for them. So it's, it's a frustration of seeing the economy expand uh, in this while touting recessions and bad YouTube you know, stuff for, for a while now. Well, let's let's bring it back to housing, okay? So let's bring it back to housing professionals, many of whom are listening on this podcast. Here you are, you are a loan officer, you are uh, in real estate, you're in title appraisal, whatever. And a couple of weeks ago, you and I had a podcast where I was like, are we going to see 6% rates or 8% rates first? Because there was a lot of volatility, a lot of things going on. So, you know, talk to the people who are sitting out there, they're looking at the spring home buying season what how bad do you think rates are going to get and how do you think the fed what would push the fed to do something here's here's the thing the the, the case against 8% mortgage rates is that the spreads are actually getting got better so for example i i had a 4 and a quarter peak 10 year yield with a 7 and a quarter peak mortgage rate uh, that didn't happen because the spreads are better so the case against uh, 8% mortgage rates is that the spreads are better and the fed has told you that that policy is too restrictive so you have the, the entity that wants to depress housing has a level that they don't want the market to go to, right? So the counter to that is that, you know, people are, people are, some people are already talking about, we need more rate hikes. We need, remember, everybody that's pushing a rate hike right now wants a recession. No conscientious person at, at this point, after what the growth rate of inflation is, is asking for more rate hikes, unless you want a job loss recession, which they want is deflation. They want people to lose their jobs. So the counter against the 8% mortgage rate is that the Fed says that's too restrictive and the spreads are better. 
the counter, the, the case for 6% mortgage rates is the spreads get better by the, I mean, the spreads getting better by themselves get you 6% mortgage rates, but spreads get better. The 10 year yield falls, the jobless claims data. Remember everything revolves around jobless claims. The jobless claims data gets softer. There's your case. You have a better case for 6% mortgage rates than you do eight. Uh, but again, right now we're at, we're at that key 4.34 level. Okay. If that breaks again, you have another, because everything we're talking about now, Sarah, is like carbon copy of 2023. It's like, you know, purchase application data is down again. We had this happen last year in February when rates went up to above seven percent. They're down four straight weeks again. Um, so we'll see how the Fed reacts if, if the 10-year yield can break above 4.34% and you get follow-through bond selling. Because last year that was too restrictive. They've come out and said that was very restrictive policy. So they would have to back that up. And they were already talking about maybe slowing down the balance sheet reduction to keep things smoothly out here. So uh, I, it looks like to me they don't mind if the 10-year yield is between 380 to 4.34. But uh, when it, getting below 380, for them at least, that goes back to the Neil Kashkari. Well, 6% mortgage rates is a problem for us. So let's um, let's dive into the tracker a little bit. So you mentioned purchase applications. That's one part of it. Um, inventory is something you always look at, right? Of course, mortgage rates we've already talked about. So let's talk about inventory a little bit. The mortgage rate lockdown, again, is running into trouble. Okay. Well, explain that. It's o- only because you define it that way. Let's talk so, about it. So again, we, we, one of the reasons why I don't like the mortgage rate lockdown is because people say inventory can't grow with rates higher. Okay, so Mike Simonson and myself, even though we have a different way of, uh, of looking at it, uh, we both agree that higher mortgage rates, weakness in demand, as long as that duration holds, the growth rate of inventory can pick up. We've always seen that in the data. Uh, what happened last year is in or to the end of 2022, going into 2023, mortgage rates fell noticeably, demand picked up, forward purchase application, it was stronger, stronger then than it is this year. And the, it took a longer time to get to the seasonal bottom, but as rates kept on going up, the growth rate of inflation pick, or the growth rate of an inventory picked up. Here, rates are higher, demand's weaker, new listings data's up year over year, inventory is up year over year, right? Demand is down year over year. We're going to get the existing home sales report uh, uh, Friday. It's going to be, we're going to see a bounce in it on a, on a month-to-month basis, but it's going to be lower than what we had last year when we had that big print. So in that environment, inventory can grow. Is it a lot? No. Is new listings data not having a silver tsunami? Yes, it's not having a silver tsunami. But over time, what happens is that if things do not close faster, the duration of inventory can grow. And that's what we're seeing. And and just to give everyone an idea, this is how crazy inventory was. If I told everyone that inventory has already doubled from the bottom, would you believe me, Sarah? That is crazy. That seems that seems very unlikely. It seems very, uh, but it's true, right? In March of 2022, total active listings at that point at that time got down to 240,000. So think about it: a country of 335 million people, over 157 million people working, 240,000. So we're at 492 around there. Uh, that's a double, right? And it, and the price cut percentages are still falling on a year-over-year basis, but. Um, that's how unbelievably low we got. We got to such a low historical level that it was just, that, that was the whole point of the savagely unhealthy housing market. Too many people chasing too few homes, not record-breaking demand like we saw in the run-up in the housing bubble year. So much different marketplace. But the positive story, again, for 2024, is that inventory is up year over year. 
Now you could say that you can make a case. Well, it's really, if Texas and Florida weren't really growing on a year over year basis, then those two big States would, would really, who cares? They're growing. That's what you want. Right. Uh, I, I, I'm a very pro supply person. So I, I don't, I don't care if it's just two States really pushing it, but that's what you want to see. Of course we see like in California and Nevada, that's not the case where inventory is still down year over year. So again, there's something going on there, which is positive. So just go with that. But uh, I think the people that said inventory can never grow year over year because mortgage rates are too high uh, did not happen. We're seeing that. Not anything spectacular, but now if mortgage rates, let's say, let's say in June of 2023, mortgage rates went all the way to 5% and mortgage rates hovered between 5 and 5.5% from June of 2023 all the way to here we would probably have lower inventory because demand picks up first time home buyers finance their uh, homes. They don't give you a house. That's how inventory channels have worked, you know, since 2010 and, uh, and the Peloponnesian war. And in this case, <laughs> in this case, it, it, it does make sense why inventory is up, but it's just, I, I, I get it. This is, you know, we talked about this like two years ago, Sarah, I, I think when the market stabilizes, there's going to be a lot of people that really have bullish housing people in terms of sales are going to be frustrated. And the sociopathic housing bubble crash people are going to be frustrated because there's no clear direction here. It is what we say stuck, right? Uh, uh, and being stuck means that you really have to look at the internal weekly data more carefully. And I just don't think the people have the training or actually the data to do this. And what's happened is that people are just not sure what's going on. Uh, and it's our job to basically talk about it on a weekly basis because we we have the stuff, the freshest, newest data. And clearly, when rates got up here, just like it did in February, we had a few weeks of negative purchase application data noticeable, like 18%, 11% week-to-week declines. Here, we had a double-digit week-to-week decline. Same thing. So just think for now, carbon copy, but inventory is growing. Uh, the price cut percentages is falling. That thing is starting to narrow down as rates go up. So uh, it, it's a it's a mud fight. It's just basically two people in a in a swamp mud trying to like move around just to throw a punch, and they can't. It's just too much mud around them, and that's I think the frustrating thing uh, for extreme bulls and extreme bears. Uh, that the the lack of real direction because the new home sales sector is different, right? They're a sub six percent mortgage world. They can, you know, they're growing sales. Their purchase application data is up, but the existing home sales market just doesn't have that luxury. So let's talk a little bit about home prices because you mentioned the fact one of the things that we uh, we talk about in the tracker that you always track is the percentage of homes that had to take a price cut before um, they sell. And you just mentioned that. But that that should be an indicator of home prices in general. There are so many bizarre variables about our current housing market. Talk a little bit about how what you see for home prices in in the near future. So let's go back to 2022 because this is this is this is a historical event. In the second half of 2022, home prices were declining month to month. It wasn't just a seasonal, right? Seasonal pricing weakness is always there. The second half, we actually authentically saw price declines with active inventory pretty low, with monthly supply pretty low. How did that happen? Because we don't have any history. Well. We have to remember that 2022 had the biggest and fastest home sale crash ever recorded in history. And mortgage rates went from 3% to 7%. So imagine just 
the, sh the shock of people in the marketplace having rates go from three to six, six to five, five to 7.37. That was the most dysfunctional housing market crazy. I mean, no, nobody does that. So what people, what people did is that they stopped listing their homes, right? Because as, as, as an American citizen, you have to now pre-qualify before you go into the home selling process if you're buying another home. And your rates are just moving 2% on you. you. You can't operate that way. What's changed? Rate volatility is much more calmer now. Of course, you know, we can't have mortgage rates go from three to seven, seven to five, whatever, five to eight, because we're already up here. So the, the people that are putting their homes on the market, assuming that they're not stressed, or okay, I can I can buy a house, you know, rates are six and a half to seven and a half. I could buy, you know, I prefer to be lower, but at least I feel more comfortable listing. Of course, you could say that, well, Texas and Florida could be the first uh, indicators of stressed uh, 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 states just because of the taxes and insurance. But in generally speaking, most sellers are buyers. So the calmness of rates is a positive, but as we could see, we had a very positive eight-week trend uh, in purchase application. That was rates going down to a near six and a half. And then now as rates gone above, that has changed. Same thing happened last year in 2023. So we want to keep an eye on where the price cuts. Because what I see right now is the price cut percentage is slowing down in terms of the lower uh, uh, cuts out there. So uh, if rates had gone to 6%, that thing would have kept on dropping and dropping and dropping. So the second half of the year, that data line always goes up. So we got to do the slope of the curve. And what happened um, <clears throat> in 2023 is that even with 8% mortgage rates, the data was negative year over year during that entire time. Uh, so we're going to have to see what happens now because we're getting a little bit more inventory. We're getting a little bit more new listings. We'll see how the volatility of rates go. Uh, uh, so that's why I would say that you want to keep an eye on the 10-year-old purchase application mortgage rates, see how the forward-looking data reacts to it so we don't wait. Like we're going to get a positive existing home sales report on a month-to-month -month basis, but that data is old, right? Because the market's changed. We don't want to be old and slow here. We want to think current, looking out forward, never current, looking back. So last question I have for you is, um, I know when people just, you know, random people are like, should I buy a house? You're like, ah, you're not ready to buy a house. But this is not the question I'm asking. I'm asking on behalf of the people. Way, the way you say that, Sarah. Yes. This is, this is the butt thing. This is the butt. Listen, this is, listen. This is you going to try to control me again, Sarah Wheeler. <laughs> again, everyone could see this. No. She's trying to control me. She's Actually, trying to control the narrative, but but I'm gonna let I'm gonna let it pass this time. The narrative, yes, not you. So because the question that real estate and lenders get from people who are already uh, pre-qualified, they're pre-qualified, but they have this question of like, okay, are prices gonna continue to go up? I, I just faced this myself because okay, I was looking for a house, I was ready, I was pre-qualified and pre-approved, all those things, but I'm like, what are the chances that between here and the summer? you know, I'm trying to look at rates. I'm also trying to look at prices. So give your best advice to those professionals who are out there who have this person. Should they buy now? Should they wait? Sarah Willer, I'm going to tell you the answer. It's going to be the same <laughs> it's answer. It's a good question. It's going to be the same answer. If you are worried about price, okay, and you're not thinking about the payment level, right? I don't think you should ever own a house. And, and the reason I say this is that all these other people are buying homes right now because they're buying a payment because they need to start their lives, right? That's the whole thing. You buy a house, you're starting that life in that house, okay? 
And why do these people do it and you can't? Because they're ready. I don't see anything in the data in the last 15 years where I assume there's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines waiting for, I don't know when I'm going to pull the trigger because every day that goes by, you are closer to death. Okay. I, I have to disagree with you. Yeah, I, I know, I know, I know, I know you're going to disagree, but, I, but I'm, but I, what I'm saying is to you, okay, I'm going to give you the total payment level of 7%, 6.5%, 6%. This is what it is. Where do you feel comfortable? Uh, I feel comfortable here. Okay. Wait till then. And if it doesn't happen, you don't own a house because nobody cares about you or you, how you, when are you going to buy the house? The market doesn't care about the individual. The market is a series of it. We're going to have another year of almost 5 million home sales. Those people are ready. So that's the thing that everyone should focus on because I can explain why millions of people buy homes every single year because it's the cost of shelter to your own capacity to own a debt. Okay. I think that that is a useful, I think that your answer is useful, right? Um, because you know, focus people on their payment level. If you're asking this, all these things, then read the tracker article. You can see, and it just, the market does not wait for you. And I don't think in general, there's this mass group of people sitting there thinking, just, I don't, I don't know about prices. Prices might fall. No. Okay. So I would love to hear from our listeners on this. If this is something you get asked by people who are actually very much, um, you know, they are the people ready to play ball. They are they are already there, and then they go ahead and make that decision. Let and, me know. And, and they will eventually buy a house when rates go lower because that's what's really the thing is. Because <laughs> I, okay. I, I will tell you, I have I have looked at all the data on this, and there's nothing. There's no – the only thing that changed the variable was the first six, seven weeks of COVID, right? Because we people were literally thinking they were going to die if they went out the house. So that, that, was a, that was a change. That was a pandemic. But – we don't see any real big changes. When rates fall, these so-called sideline homebuyers come into, no, it's just part of the affordability. The, the lower the rates go, the bigger the pool of buyers are. And guess what happens? You all pull the trigger. <laughs> all right. Well, we are out of time, so we have to stop this conversation, but we are actually in person. We're both in the Dallas office doing this. And as he's as he's saying some of this, if you could see the giant eye roll that I have, that would be good. Because I'm You have like, a giant eye roll when I talk? No. Are you, sh- <laughs> are you shocked? You know? I'm just trying to get to the questions that our audience wants. So audience, you let me know. Sarah listen, listen. At, no, you- no, no, wait. Sarah at hwmedia.com or Logan at hwmedia.com. Let me know. Yes, that's helpful. Or, you know, I totally agree with Logan. Weigh in. Let us know. And then I will stop asking this question if it's not a good question. Yeah, you you send Sarah Wheeler the pre-qualification letters, okay? Okay. And I will look at them and I'll see what if it's legit or not. All right. But don't 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 think I fall for this this act that there's all these millions of people waiting because they're afraid of home home buying. Okay. Well, we are out of time. So we as I said. Five minutes ago, we will we will figure this out. Um, thank you all for listening, and Logan, thank you for bringing it. It's a really confusing time, and the tracker and all the work. That it's you're not doing. that confusing if you read the tracker. <laughs> it it's helpful for people. So thank you for being on. Pleasure, Sarah. Thank you for listening and thank you to our sponsor, Truve. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment and make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.